Hey, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? It's your girl, Leah M. Forney, back with another episode of Hey Queen Thrive Season 3. Y'all, what's going on, man? Listen, it is the month of May. May is here. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, for those of you that don't know. Um, it is actually one of my favorite months of the year for several reasons, because I have a 10-year career um, in the field of mental health. So I've been doing behavioral health work since, sheesh undergrad <laughs> like I'm like for, but I feel like my life uh experiences and childhood upbringing and all that stuff led me down the path of behavioral health and kind of getting into that healing space and being a healer for so many people so um so yeah definitely make sure you take care of your mental health um this month and every month not just in the month of May but so this episode I'm gonna just be a whole bunch a whole level of honesty with y'all. This is about the probably the most vulnerable and most transparent episode that I've ever recorded here at Hey Queen Thrive. And the reason why I'm taking this route as opposed to, you know, any other route, like getting one of my mental health friends and all that stuff to have this conversation is because um, I want to really speak to um, my entrepreneurs, my solopreneurs, my entrepreneurs, mompreneurs, CEOs, all that good stuff. Uh, and so really I want to talk about ma- the importance of managing your mental health if you fit one of those roles, right? Even if you're inspiring to be in that space, aspiring to own your own business one day, I really want to talk about the importance of managing your own mental health. And so I'm going to kick off it like this. So I'm a black woman living with PTSD and high functioning anxiety. Yep. You heard it here first. And so my journey with PTSD or my battle with PTSD started because of my sexual trauma. Uh, I struggled for a very long time, (laughs) very hypervigilant, living, you know, experiencing nightmares, uh, setbacks. And to be honest, I didn't even know that I, that's what it was at the time that I was going through it. So when I got sexually assaulted in my apartment back in 2013, uh, I definitely, with the the slightest like knock at the door, the slightest car slam, the slightest little sound startled me, right? And so I didn't again not really knowing that's what PT you know that was a sign of PTSD until my th- my therapist at the time diagnosed me with it, and I remember being like, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm black, you know what I mean? Like I didn't went through some shit in my life, I didn't have some traumas. You know what I mean? I grew up in the hood, all that good stuff. Like, you know, I again, not not knowing that it had a name, but I felt like my entire upbringing, my entire life, I probably was suffering with PTSD. And it just took this sexual violation to exemplify it or amplify it, right? And so I have, I got sexually assaulted January 27 makes 10 years that I got sexually assaulted. And for 10 years... I've struggled and battled with PTSD and high functioning anxiety. Um, so much so that like, even in my current relationship, my partner has to like, like if my back is turned to him. So for example, I, you know, you know I, I'm very transparent. I'm gonna put it in real, real world context. If I'm in our kitchen, right. And say I got my back to him and I'm cleaning the dishes, for example, and he's coming around the corner, right? Maybe he's coming from the bedroom or the bathroom or whatever, right? Like he literally has to announce, babe, I'm coming around the corner. 
Because if he does not and he creeps up on me, he's going to startle me, which is going to send me and my body and my nervous system into panic mode, into flight mode, right? And I'm going to have a panic attack. Like, is that real? And (laughs) I I say that and I share this with y'all because I want people to understand that you can battle with a mental illness and still be successful, right? From the outside looking in, people might might look at me and be like, it's no way that Leah battles from PTSD and high-functioning anxiety, and yet I live with it every day. (laughs) I am literally the chick that overthinks. And, and, And this is why it's so important to have people in your corner, especially if you're going to be in a relationship with a per like it is important to have someone that can calm that storm. And I gotta, I gotta say, I shout out to my man, Mr. Incredible. That's what y'all know him as. Cause y'all will never know his real name, but shout out to my babe because he's so incredible at knowing how to calm my storm. Like when I get to that point where my PTSD is kicking in, where the overthinking is kicking in overdrive, where my anxiety is on a thousand, like he knows exactly what to say, exactly what to do to calm it. And that is so important, especially for all my single entrepreneurs out there. Like you got to have a person that understands that especially if you're a person that has complex trauma. So I I have complex trauma. And the definition of complex trauma is that you've experienced more than more than three, you know, traumatic experiences in your life. And so from my childhood to adulthood, I've had a severe trauma, like growing up battling addiction in my family, you know, seeing domestic violence at a younger age, sexual violation, homelessness, you know, abandonment, rejection. Like I have had some shit to only be in my mid thirties. Okay. And so that complex trauma formed the way I see the world. It forms the way I interact with people. It forms the relationships that I have. It forms everything about how I move and how I, and how I do. And so, and yet, and still (laughs) I'm a CEO. I'm a salt after speaker trainer, Like I do a lot of work in sexual assault, you know, advocating and activism. Like I've produced documentaries, like I do a whole lot, but the most important thing that I have to do is manage my, manage my PTSD and manage my anxiety. Like I have to create a safe space for me, right? Notice I say a safe space for me, not so much needing people to be, to create a safe space for me, but I have to create the safe space for myself because that is the way that I can not only function, but thrive, (laughs) right? And so I have to constantly check in with myself. I have to constantly be aware of when I'm extremely fatigued or tired. I have to constantly be aware of my triggers. I have to constantly be aware of, you know, what I'm feeling, when I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it, like all of those things. And because I have PTSD and I've had it for so long, I tell people all the time, that is one of the reasons why outside of going through uh, five deaths in one year, that was also one of the reasons why I embarked on this healing journey. Because what people don't understand about when you're living with a mental illness, right? The what that does to your nervous system to be on high alert 24 seven, 
that does something to your nervous system, right? It's like I always say, it's like you sitting around waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so you're waiting for that next attack. You're waiting for that next um, bomb to hit. You're waiting for that next trigger. And so my healing journey has really helped me to identify when those things are coming up for me. Like, what do I do to soothe it? Right. And it, and for me, it's very simple. Like sometimes my man could come home and, you know what I mean? And definitely just give me a hug, you know, or sometimes I'll just walk up to him and like, I just need a hug and he'll hug me for an extended period of time. And that soothes my, my nervous system. You know, sometimes I don't always have to articulate in words what it is that I'm feeling, but he can tell, he can tell when my energy shifts, he can tell when my emotions are high, he can tell, <laughs> like, I definitely have what, uh, what this shot, what a Nipsey Hussle says, study your woman. I definitely have a study your woman kind of partner where, um, where he really just pays attention like he really just pays attention to what it is that I'm I'm experiencing. And so that gives that that alone helps add to the safe space that I create, right? So for me, living in a space or living on high alert all the time, um it's a lot, y'all. <laughs> it's a lot. And the, and and as a person who has a business, right? I have to be 100% aware of when I am taking on too much, when I am doing too much. This is why I adopted a priority system instead of a to-do list system, right? Like I literally map out my week by priority. And I don't mean 50 million priorities, right? Like I might sit here and say, okay, today's Monday. What's my main priority for today, right? So for me and my business, Monday is usually my content creation day. So what do I spend my Mondays doing? Content. Like making sure I have my content mapped out for, you know, the month that we're coming, that's coming up or whatever, or the month that we're in. Like, that's what I sit here and I tend to do. So I have to create that, that, that structure for my anxiety and my PTSD, right? The other thing is for me, I have to be extremely aware of what could be triggering me, right? So I spend a lot of time um, processing a lot of time processing, you know, people think that when they don't hear from me that I'm just like off in the, off in la la land, but really it could be that I just had an episode. And so I have to allow myself, my nervous system, my emotions to come back down. Um, I'm grateful to be able to say that my episodes don't happen as often as they used to, because there was a time in my life where them panic attacks was coming back to back. You know, there was a time in my life where, you know, because my anxiety was so high, not only was I in therapy, I was in cardiology care. You know, most people know my backstory. I was born addicted to drugs, right? My mom, you know, did crack cocaine my entire life, right? And so from birth, like I had heart issues. Me and my baby brother, like the two out of all six of her children that had heart issues, right? So from a kid, I was in cardiology care. You know, I'm so grateful to God that after being in and out of cardiology care from the age of 14, that he I got the clean bill of health at the age of 35. So, you know what I mean? Y'all do the math. Like, that's an extended amount of time to have to um, really 
deal with the impact of trauma on your body, on your nervous system, on your heart, right? But also that's, we're talking uh, 30 plus years of trauma, but also 21 years in cardiology care, having to undo, unpack some of that shit, <laughs> right? Because one, one thing that I learned as a therapist and someone that has been in the mental health field for 10 years is that your body not only keeps the score, but your body and your world is the out, is a outward manifestation manifestation of what's happening on on the inside of you, right? So when you start finding yourself having physical elements, right, that were never designed to be for for you, then I always I will challenge you to check what's going on with you emotionally, right? Like perfect example, I used to be a over I used to be an emotional eater, right? Like I was big as a house and I do mean big, the highest weight that I've ever I was ever at was 410 pounds. If you if you see pic- pictures of me today, you would be like, Leah, that's bullshit. But yes, 410 pounds was my highest weight. And at 410 pounds, I was eating my emotions, right? Happy, mad, uh, sad, <laughs> bored, all of those emotions that I was feeling. Instead of dealing with them and getting to the root of those issues, I was eating them away. Give me some cookies, give me some cake, give me some ice cream, give me everything that was unhealthy for me, right? And so again, getting on my healing journey helped me to stop eating my emotions away and started dealing with my emotions, right? So even now, I'm such in a place of awareness that when I find myself craving certain things, especially if it's not that time of the month, because like when it's that time of the month for me, yeah, sweets is, oh, Jesus, it's on a thousand. Like Mr. Incredible be like, yep you must be about to start your cycle because because <laughs> you are craving chocolate over here, right? But when it's not that time of the month and I'm craving those things, I have to, I've gotten to the place in my journey where I can check me and be like, whoa, let's pause that for a second. What's going on? Like, what what are you really dealing with? You know what I mean? Like, what's really bothering you? You know what I mean? And why is it bothering you? You know what I mean? So I share all that to say, like, be mindful of your mental health, especially if you want to enter into the entrepreneur or CEO space. Like the thing about social media, people want to highlight being a boss, right? Everybody want to talk that boss talk and that, oh, being a boss is this, that, and the third. The part of that journey that people don't talk about is how it affects you mentally. This is why I will scream to the top of my lungs, personal development is key. You have to take time to work on you. You cannot just work on getting clear about what it is that you want to offer and the type of business you want to have. Like everything about your business and your life starts with you. Everything. Everything. I cannot stress that enough. And so you have to take those time to work on you. You have to take time to do that in the work. I listen. I tell people all the time, I wish I could do what it is that God has called me to do and never have to tap into childhood trauma, never have to relive some, my rape, never have to, like, I wish, I wish, but what I have to do because a part of my assignment, a part of my mantle, a part of my calling is that I have to, uh, show up for those who have experienced some of the same things that I've experienced and show them that they can too have a successful life in business, despite what they've been dealt with, 
right? Because I understand that, then I have to safeguard against that. I was having a conversation a few months ago with my coach and she was like, Leah, what kind of work do you do? She was like, I know you've been in therapy, you was in the therapy realm or mental health realm. Like, are you still in that space? And I said, no, I'm not in it per se like I used to. I said, I'm now a sexual assault uh, survivor, advocate, and activist, and I do a lot of training in that space. And she was like, whoa, that's a lot. And she was like, and, and you're a sexual assault survivor, right? And I was like, yeah. She was like, so how are you taking care of yourself? Because that's a lot. And I said, you know what's so funny? I said, I have I have had safeguards in place uh, before I even got into this work <laughs> because I understood that hearing about somebody's sexual assault, you know, hearing, uh, getting that report about a young person under the age of, you know, 15 being sexually violated, having to have conversations with law enforcement who refuse to change their ideology in the way that they think around their own implicit biases and around how they show up and interact with victims, you know, having to be in the room with uh, legislation and attorneys and trying to get them to see the, the way that they interact with victims and survivors of sexual assault, all of that shit is draining as fuck. All of it. I love what I do. Is it? But it's draining. And so what I have to do, being my, again, self-awareness is the most powerful thing that you can have. Understanding my own diagnoses, understanding my own personal uh, PTSD and anxiety, I got to put safeguards in place. I got to have those days where I do nothing. I got to have those days where I sit back and I watch nothing but Kevin Hart and, and Cat Williams and, you know, Dion Cole and some of my favorite comedians and laugh my ass off. I got to have date night. Like, it is, listen, one thing that I absolutely love about my relationship with Mr. Incredible is that we do not skim on date night. It is a must. <laughs> It is an absolute must because we understand that that quality time together away from the noise, away from business, because he's a CEO just like me, <laughs> right? Away from having to take care of our children because I have bonus kids, right? Away from just life and allowing ourselves the opportunity to connect with each other. Yeah, it has to happen. So I have to put safeguards in place. I don't watch certain shit. When the whole world was over here talking about Jeffrey Dahmer and all that shit, nope. I people was Leah, did you watch? Nope. Because I understand my triggers. <laughs> I understand what sets me off. I understand what can send me down the spiral. I don't watch certain shit and never will watch certain shit. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I'm just not doing it because the truth of the matter is, I'm very, I'm so much more aware in my journey, right, than I was when I got the diagnosis 10 years ago after being sexually violated, right? Like, I'm so much aware of what can easily send me down the path. So I don't even do it to myself. I do not do it to myself, right? And I say all of this, y'all, and I wanted to have this conversation because what we have been seeing in the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic, is we have seen the increase of suicide, especially in the Black 
community, especially in the communities of people in color and BIPOC community, we have seen an uptick of my brothers and sisters taking their lives. And the crazy thing is when we look at the ones that have been doing it, all of them have had some type of spotlight, have had some type of business, have were some type of entrepreneur, right? Like people want the fame, the fortune, all of that shit. Like that's what people be talking about. Oh, I want this. I want that. And that's great. And I'm not knocking nobody that does that. But what I will say is if you don't safeguard your heart, if you don't safeguard your mind, if you don't safeguard your spirit, you will put yourself in a position where you will mentally lose it. You will mentally lose it. This is one of the reasons why, and I'm going to say this, and it's probably going to irritate whoever listens to it. Stop. This is the reason why I get annoyed with people who freaking repost traumatic fucking videos. Like, why are you, like, I don't think the world understands vicarious trauma is real. And if you don't know what vicarious trauma is, it is you being traumatized based on an experience or something that you saw that triggered it. Like, I don't get why we live in a society where we will repost somebody getting killed by the cops. Or we will repost somebody taking their life. Or we will, like, why? What are you getting out of that? What are you getting out of that? Because here's the thing that you're not keeping in mind. That everybody that's on your timeline, everybody that's on your friends list, everybody that you're connected to, what, listen, this, the, listen. The statistic for mental illness is one in five. <laughs> so for every five people you know, one of them is battling with a mental illness. And here you are being like, oh, this is good. Let me, because I just want to get people to pay attention to me, right? That you'll turn around and you'll repost something. Like, we got to do better, y'all. We got to do better because if we're going to stop seeing this increase that we're seeing, and trust me, suicide hurts like a motherfucker to me because let me tell you something. I know two people that I've known my entire life, two black men at that, that completed suicide and took their life. Two. That's one too many for me. And from the outside looking in, they were bosses like me, ran businesses like me had a family like me. And for whatever reason, I don't even care what the reason is. They just couldn't help it anymore. So they did what they felt they could do and what was best for them. We got to manage our mental health. We got to manage our mental health. And listen, let me just say right now, because I know somebody's going to listen to this and be like, oh my God, I got to check on Leah. Leah's good, y'all. Leah is absolutely good. And anybody that know me know when she ain't good, she'll be honest enough to say she ain't. I'm good. But I'm doing this episode because I really want to shine an awareness um, for those who are so caught up in, I want to be a boss. I want to be this. I want to be that. Like, understand. Understand that your mental health is going to, like, if you really want to step all the way into CEOism, and I don't even know if that's a word, but I just made it up. If you really want to be a boss, it is going to require you to take care of you on all levels, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, on all levels, on all levels. 
Because if you're not good, <laughs> ain't no way you're going to be able to lead your people. Ain't no way you're going to be able to show up for your clients. Ain't no way. And let me just say this, y'all. It hasn't always been easy because here's the thing about putting safeguards in place. What you're really doing is choosing yourself. You're really making a choice to choose you. And it's not always easy, especially when you come from a traumatic background where you never was taught how to choose you. It's not easy. I promise you. But I know for me at this juncture in the game, if Leah don't choose Leah, if Leah don't be like, you know what, today's just not a good day. I don't feel like doing no work. I'm not doing nothing. If Leah doesn't have that level of honest conversation with Leah, then she's going to keep showing up and then she's going to get burnt out and then she's going to get irritable and it's going to affect everything. So, yeah, once again, I'm a black woman living with PTSD and high functioning anxiety. And I make this shit look good and I make this shit look easy. But it's an everyday process. It's a daily process. It's a daily courageous conversation. It's a daily check-in with myself. It's a daily, and I do mean daily, (laughs) daily having those moments, being honest about where I am, having that support, not pushing the support away, but being honest with you, not everybody else. With you, because here's the truth that I know and the thing that I know to be true, and we're going to wrap this up and get into Thriver Nuggets, but here's the thing that I know to be true. Listen, you take you wherever you are in your journey. If you don't stop and get real honest with yourself, and I do mean honest with yourself, like good, bad, ugly, and different about you, all you're going to do is keep bringing that same shit everywhere you go. And I'm telling you that from someone who had to be honest about her own journey, had to be honest about the things that she, the the parts that she played in her journey, had to be honest about how her childhood impacted her, had to be honest about how the lack of having a mother and a father impacted her, had to be honest about how watching her fiance die on the bathroom floor impacted her, having to be honest about that like this shit is real y'all but at the same time that i've been honest i thank god because he's given me the grace he's given me the favor to keep doing what i do to keep showing people that yo yes like the bible says job said it best though they slay me yet still will i trust He said, the weapon will form, daughter, but it ain't going to prosper. Yes, I'm going to say you're going to have, I'm going to allow you to go through a sexual assault. I'm going to allow you to go through that divorce. I'm going to allow you to experience that trauma. I'm going to allow all of those things. But guess what? (laughs) I also said in Romans 8 and 28, I'm going to work all it together for my, for your good. All of it. So before you be like, oh my God, I want to pray for Leah or I want to, listen, do me a favor. Get real honest with yourself. Be be willing to show your scars. Be willing to let people know, hey, it ain't always been like this. I ain't just wake up like this. I didn't become successful overnight. I didn't do, like, it's been a journey. It's been a process. 
Look at my scars. Look at the shit I've had to go through. But it made me who I am. So I love y'all. Stay tuned because we got Thriving Nuggets coming up next. Hey, 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 y'all. We're back. It is Thriving Nuggets time. Listen, first, before we get into Thriving Nuggets, I know what I said might have said set somebody or triggered or made you think something. So let's just take a breath for a minute. Just inhale, exhale. Yeah, sometimes you got to do that, especially when we're talking about heavy topics like mental health, because for a lot of us, we're battling, right? We're struggling and we're going through. And so I wanted to really make sure that you just take that moment to pause real quick because sometimes that's all you got to do, man. I'm telling you, as somebody that that experiences it on a daily basis. So I want to really dive into this converse, this part of Thyroid Nuggets around some of the things that I do to safeguard um, my mental health, right? And I really want to take it from a few different angles. So just go with me, y'all. <laughs> this is not in no particular order whatsoever. So I think one of the, the one of the ways that I be, have began to safeguard my own mental health is that I spend a lot of time, especially in the morning, um, journaling and talking to God. You know, those of you that follow me for a long time, you know, I'm really, I have a big belief system and I have a lot of faith in God. And so I do make sure that I carve out some time, especially first thing in the morning to really talk to God, you know, really tell him what's on my heart, really tell him what's on my mind. Um, and then I spend a lot of time journaling. Like I am an avid journaler. My man, he laughs at me all the time when I buy a new journal because he'd be like, I guarantee you, you're not done with all the other notebooks that you have <laughs> in your in your bookcase. And he's not lying. I'm just I, organized chaos, y'all. I swear. Um, so journaling and prayer is definitely one way that I have found that works for me when it comes to safeguarding my mental health. Um, another thing that works for me, um, is boundaries. Like, and let me just say this, like, I have not always had boundaries. In fact, I don't think I've ever had boundaries. If we just want to be honest, I didn't start having boundaries until I started healing. Like real talk. <laughs> I for 30 some years of my life I had no boundaries. I let people do me any kind of way. I let people walk all over me. I let people talk to me like I wasn't shit. I let people treat me like nothing, project their bullshit on me. I literally if if a, if I could be the poster child for what a dumpster looked like, that was me. Like real talk. I just let people dump on me. And the reason for that was because because I had this massive trauma around being abandoned and rejected, um I, I did not, you know, know, I, I wanted to be connected to something, right? Like I wanted that sense of belonging. I wanted that sense of being a family. I wanted that sense of friendship and whatnot. And so I took it, I, I allowed it at all costs. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's just like a child, you know, any attention was good attention, <laughs> you know? So I didn't have boundaries until I really started healing. And so for me, placing boundaries is real. And so boundaries for me looks like I will say the two main ways that I place boundaries is one, <laughs> um, I screen my calls. I do. And if you're one of my friends tuning in, I love you. But I do. I screen my calls. And I screen my calls because I'm a I'm I am aware of um my own capacity, right? And so if I'm going to be always honest and transparent, I have some friends, right, that I know that when they call, 
they're going to call because they want to vent, moan, and complain about some shit. Now, nothing wrong with doing that, right? Where I draw the limit or where I set the boundary is, I can listen to you vent and complain one day. By the time you call me again the next day, I don't want to hear that same shit. <laughs> like, you better be calling me so we can figure out a solution to your said problem. Like, that's a boundary for me. Because what people don't understand is all of that is draining. If I got to sit on the phone, again, I've already said in the first part of this episode what kind of work I do. I deal with people's issues and traumas for a living. I've dealt, I've been dealing with that, doing that for 10 years in the field of mental health. So when I get home or when I'm off the clock, right, and I'm getting interacting with my friends and my family and the people that I fuck with, like, I don't want to hear your shit. <laughs> I hear it every day. So I have to set parameters and boundaries around my capacity and what I can handle and what I can't handle. And so, yeah, that looks like screening my phone calls. Some people are just not going to pick up for because I don't have the capacity, right? Now, in the same regard, in the same breath, I also make sure to communicate that because I don't ever want to come across as uh, as an asshole to my friends. But sometimes I have to be like, you know what? I just don't have the capacity for your shit today. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> like, And I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not. Because when you don't have the capacity, you don't have the capacity. Well, people forget, and and what's her name? Fantasia said this so beautifully. Shout out to her. But she said, what's in the cup, the cup that I'm pouring from, is for me. The overflow is for everybody else. So I can't live in a place of overflow if my cup is empty. That means I got to spend time safeguarding and pouring into and refilling my cup so that when it gets to the brim and it begins to flow out, then everybody else gets the excess of everything that's already in. <laughs> so you get the excess of my peace, of my joy, of my laughter, of my advice, all those things when I am filled. Yeah, that's just how it works over here. Okay, so boundaries is definitely a must. Um, definitely, again, being setting boundaries to the people I love, but also being mindful of my own capacity and what I can and cannot do and what I can and cannot, and what I have, the, because and have the capacity to handle. Because again, you're talking to someone who never had boundaries. So that has, that is a continuous daily, uh, task of mine <laughs> to be, to constantly be mindful of that. And to set those boundaries, right? Like, I don't have no problem setting them. The other way I begin to safeguard my mental health is, is with my favorite word, no. <laughs> Some of y'all just need to practice that. Like, if you got to stand in your mirror and be like, no, stand in your mirror. You're talking to somebody who did it. Because, again, because I had no boundaries, I just let people do whatever. And I would, and I would say yes to everything. And then I found myself in 2020 burnt the fuck out. Because <laughs> I didn't say yes to everything but me. And I was like, yeah, God, you know, 2021, 2022, all that going forward can't be like that. And you know what God said to me? Say no. So guess what? I say no. And let me just say this. Say no and don't explain yourself. Like if Leah, if Leah Michelle Forney says no to something, it's no. And I'm not explaining it. 
I'm not about to be like, well, it's no because I got it's no. Come up whatever conclusion you want to come up with in your head. I don't really care. It's no. <laughs> like that that's just what it is. You know what I mean? So I definitely had to learn um that if I really want to continue to again keep my mental health and stay intact, I had to I have to practice saying no, right? Um, another thing that has helped me when safeguarding my mental health is being mindful of what I watch and what I listen to. Like, I'm now, I'm not saying don't watch stuff that you love to watch. What I am saying is be mindful of what you put into your ears, what you put into your eyes, what you put into your spirit, right? Like, be mindful of that stuff. Like, I'm not a horror movie person. <laughs> I don't watch horror movies. You could ver- you're not going to catch me watching anything that's going to be very bloody and violent. You're damn sure not going to catch me watching anything that's going to be violent towards women. Like, I'm just not that person. So I'm very mindful of the shows I watch. I'm very mindful of the things I listen to. Now, does your girl love some ratchet television and some ratchet music? Absolutely. Show do. Every now and then, you might hear some strip club anthem music coming from my car. It You know, it's the things like that that pumps me up and gets me hype or whatever. But... On a regular, I'm very mindful of what I'm watching and what I'm listening to. That's why when people that know me know if you reposting some traumatic shit, somebody getting gunned down, some the people already know. Don't even send that shit my way. Cause that's the quickest way to get blocked by me. I don't do that dumb shit. <laughs> I vicarious trauma is real. So no, I'll pass. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's some other things that I do. Uh, because I am in a relationship, date night is a must. (laughs) Like we have date night every Friday night, whether we choose to go out or we choose to stay in the house. Um, it is date night, right? And so date night for us, if we're home is also our weekly check-ins. So one of the things that I do so differently in this relationship that I've done in past relationships because of where I am in my healing journey is we do a weekly check-in. That is our time to really no phones, no distractions, sit and just talk to each other. How are we doing? How is our relationship moving? Is it moving in a direction that we both want it to go? You know, do we still meet each other's needs? Like we have those real honest, courageous conversations with each other. And that's why we're still here. <laughs> that's why we're still here one year later. You know what I mean? Like we're still rocking with each other because we, we, we prioritize time together. You know what I mean? So that's definitely something that helps safeguard um, my mental health. And what else can I say? Oh, I love a good dance break. (laughs) Like if I find myself being tired or just in need of energy and it's midday, because I work from home, y'all. So I'm home 100% of the time. Um, Yeah, good dance break. (laughs) A really good dance break. That is something that is um, helpful. That is something that I enjoy doing. And so I might just, you know, put some music on and have a whole two-step or if I'm in the mood to twerk some, twerk some. But I do things like that to really energize me. You know, um, meditation is another thing that I do to safeguard my mental health. Um, and, and, and even with meditating, let me just say this, like, for me, it's very important 
to um, one, I love listening to meditation that is strictly for black and brown um, women, black and brown people of color, all of that stuff. But also like it's an opportunity for me to just tap in with myself, you know, really get centered with myself, um, really just, you know, check in. Another thing that I do to safeguard is I have a therapist. I've been, if truth be told, I've been in therapy on and off for the last 10 years of my life. So I'm mid-30s now, y'all. So we talking about since I was in my 20s. I have been <laughs> in therapy. Different therapists, you know, different times in my life. But I've been in therapy for about 10 years, on and off. And it was the best decision that I made for myself. And some people would say, oh, my God, after 10 years, Leah, why are you still in therapy? Um, because I got 30 plus years of unlearning and unpacking <laughs> of trauma <laughs> to do. Uh, that's why. But honestly, now at this juncture in my life, I really go to therapy um, for more maintenance work versus the actual unpacking of trauma. We did a lot of that. Shout out to my therapist. Like we did a lot of that in the first four years of therapy. So now for me, it's just maintenance. It It's not even regularly scheduled. It's something that I, I do maybe once every other month or once a quarter where I just, you know, set up appointment, kind of catch her up, you know, share with her any aha moments I may have had in the last three to six months, that kind of thing. Um, but it's not something that I need ongoing. And I thank God for that because therapy, really the, the goal of therapy is that you want to get to the point where you fire your therapist, right? You want to be able to have those tools that you can manage on your own, right? And I have my toolbox. Like I know the things that I have to do in order for me to stay centered and to stay grounded. And so, yeah, therapy is definitely one of those ways that I have safeguarded my mental health. Um, what else is another one? Oh, this one I think is really good and really big support. Like your tribe has to be like every, not even everything, but you have to have the kind of people in your world and in your life and in your circle that really mean you well and want to see you win. And you got to have the kind of people that will pray for you and with you right? Like I'm so grateful for my tribe. I'm so grateful for the women and the men, right? In my life that if I text them, pray, they don't ask no questions. They don't be like, girl, what are we praying about? Like they like got you sis. And they go in, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm so grateful that I have that group of women and men in my life that when shit is real ugly, they there. <laughs> and again, they ain't asking no questions. Like if you got to have the type, if you got the type of people in your life that got to ask you 50 million questions before they do something you ask them to do, get rid of them. You don't need them. <laughs> let them go. Like real talk, let them go. Because here's what I've learned on my journey of healing is that real people, people that genuinely have a heart for you, people that genuinely want to see you win, ain't going to ask you 50 million questions. Not only are they not going to ask you for 50 million questions before they do something you ask, but guess what? Even if you set a boundary with them, they're going to respect it. 
They ain't going to get in their feelings. They ain't going to be like, oh, you moving different. You acting different. They ain't going to do none of that shit. None of that shit. But what they will do is they're going to be like, how can I be of support for you on this journey? What is it that you need? They're going to step into a place of servitude, right? Because here's the thing that I've learned, and I'm naturally a giver, y'all. And if you're a giver like me, you can relate to this. Because you are constantly pouring out, you have to find a way to balance that pouring out with pouring back in. That's why safeguarding your mental health is so important. <laughs> because I'm naturally a giver. I Listen, I will take my shirt off and give it to someone in need. That is naturally who God has created me to be. And let me tell you, sometimes that feels like my Achilles heel. Sometimes I'm like, God, why in the world did you make me such a giver? Because, honey, some people don't have no problem taking. And you know what God has taught me? You safeguard that. Yes, I created that, created in you a heart to give. Yes, I created in you a heart for people, but you safeguard against that. You, you safeguard against that emotion. You safeguard against that, who you let have access to you. One thing I learned in therapy, everybody don't have right to have access to you. I remember when my when my therapist gave me this homework assignment, and I want I want y'all to do this homework assignment. But I remember she told me, she said, Leah, I want you to take a piece of paper and a pen, and I want you to draw a really big circle, and then I want you to draw another circle in the middle of that circle, and then I want to like draw another circle, and I want you to keep drawing until you have like the smaller circle in the middle of the circle. And she said, and so for each line of those circles, I want you to identify the type of people that have access to you. So those that are all the way on the outer are the people that have the least amount of access to you. And those that come closer to the inner of your circle are the people that have the most access to you. And when I did that assignment, I realized that I was giving more people on the outer more access to me than the people that really needed the access to me. And then was wondering why I was in this place of, of, of dysfunction and not feeling at peace and all of that. And let me just be honest and say this. Sometimes those people that really should be the furthest away from you and the access point be your own family. Like, I'm just going to talk about it real quick because y'all already know how I get down. Like, I've had to be like, you know what, because you're not where I am in my healing journey, because you don't even want to heal from the shit that I've had to endure or we've had to endure as a family, because you're choosing to stay in your level of dysfunction, I am going to remove myself. And so by removing myself, guess what? You now no, now no longer have access to me. I've had to do that with some of my sisters, my biological sisters. And here's the thing. It does not mean that I don't love them. I just choose to love you from a distance because here's the thing. When you are on a healing journey, one of the biggest things that we do is that because we're healing, we want or believe or expect everybody connected us to heal. And the truth of the matter is some of your family members love their dysfunction. You know why? Because it gives them the attention that they're looking for. They're like children. Any attention is still good attention. So they love being in the place of victim. They love the level of dysfunction. They love it because it's comfortable. But when you are in that place where you're like, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to do this. 
This is not comfortable for me. I'm unlearning. I'm recognizing, hey, there's some shit that I don't like about how I was raised. (laughs) Right? There's some things that I saw that damaged me when you were in that place. That don't mean the rest of them are. And one of the hardest things that you do when you are safeguarding your mental health is having to recognize that other people's dysfunction, right, does not have nothing to do with you. Because here's the thing that I will always choose at the end of the day. I don't care who I'm with, where my relationship is, what, peace. One thing that me and Mr. Incredible have agreed on since day one, since we were dating, is we will always have peace in this relationship. Always have peace in this home. I Listen, listen. <laughs> That's one thing I ain't compromising on. Peace. And when the minute there ain't none, the minute there's some discord, make baby, we better <laughs> we can better figure out real quick how to get that back on track. Because I'm not living a life without peace. I've done that shit. I've lived in chaos. I've lived in a place of always waiting for the other shoe to drop. I've lived in this in the place of always expecting the worst because that's all I've ever saw. I'm not doing it no more. And sometimes, and I won't even say sometimes, all the time, that when you make that level of decision, it is going to require you to walk away from the dysfunctional people in your life and safeguard your peace and safeguard your mind and safeguard your emotions. And I will say this, y'all, as I wrap up Thriver Nuggets, it is not easy. It hurt me to my core to have to decide to cut off my mother's side of the family. Y'all know I keep it all the way a thousand. It hurt me to my core to have to be like, I don't care to have no level of interaction with my mother's side of the family. I was, t- I got to, and in and, and full transparency, it took me 30 something years to get there. Because for 30 something years, the little girl in me just wanted to feel like she belonged. The little girl in me just wanted a sense of family. The little girl in me kept saying, see me, see me, see me. Why won't you see me? And when I got on my healing journey, and when I started to realize that they couldn't see me because they couldn't see themselves, they couldn't see me because they weren't ready for that level of accountability, they couldn't see me because seeing me would mean, hey, I got to take some accountability and responsibility for the bullshit that I have caused. That it was easy to be like, uh, go sit down somewhere. You're annoying. It was easy for them to take that route. And again, that thing broke me, y'all. That thing broke me. Because all I've ever wanted in my life was to feel like I belong. And it took one day in prayer of me crying to God. I mean, crying and saying, God, why is it that I want this thing called family and my reality ain't matching up with the vision that I've had for family or the fantasy that I created for family? And God said to me, because you keep looking at what you don't have and I keep trying to show you who you do have. I never said your family had to be blood. God, I don't know who this is for, Jesus. All I said was your family were the people that was going to love you, that were going to cheer you on, that were going to celebrate you. But you keep trying to stay connected to people that just want to tolerate you. Woo! Oh, God. My God. Oh, my God. 
I don't know who needed to hear that. Stop. Stop trying to stay connected to people that just want to tolerate you because they're your blood. Again, I've been there. I've been you. Like, when I tell you I don't talk to my mother's side of it, I don't. Because these are the same people that for 30 some years I was like, celebrate me. These were the same people that I'm like, recognize my birthday. These are the same people that I would go over and beyond and send Christmas cards and Mother's Day cards and all that and wouldn't get two, two, two cents of a card back. These were the same people that cussed me out because they felt like projecting. These are the same people that I watch my own biological aunt shout out everybody else's kids as her nephew and her nieces on their birthdays and then say a fucking thing about any of her biological ones. And I had to ask myself, Leah, <laughs> why you keep why you keep trying to stay with people that tolerate you because they're your blood? Again, that converse, that courageous conversation with yourself. And then I made the decision. I'm not doing it no more. I love them all. I wish them well. I want nothing more for their own healing and their own journey. But while I'm on mines, yeah, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep being connected to the people that love me and celebrate me and root for me and and cheer for me and and show up for me. And those that ain't, that's between you and your God. So listen, I hope that you guys got something from this episode. I hope that you guys understand that wherever you are in your journey, wherever you are in as a CEO, as a boss, whatever, whatever you want to tag and tie to yourself, it is a thousand percent important to manage your mental health. Put those safeguards in place. Make sure that you are not giving up your peace and your sanity just for a dollar or just for fame or just for any of those notorieties. Like your peace, your sanity matters. And if you're struggling, seek out help, seek out support. I, I will have the, uh, Lord, I'm tongue tied, y'all. I will have the national uh, hotline number for mental health in the description of this episode. So definitely reach out for help. There are people that are not only trained to help you, but there are people out there in in your world and in your circle that really love you and want to see you win. And so I will say, like I always tell my friends, I'd rather walk with you through a difficult season than to stand over your casket before it's time. So listen, this concludes another episode of Hey Queen Thrive season three. I love each and every one of you. Thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable and transparent with y'all. Thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. Tune in next week again for another Power Pack episode with another Power Pack guest. I love y'all. Please stay safe out there, and I'll talk with you guys soon. Peace.